Uh, let's um, open ourselves to the Word of God here for a moment. Um, I was thinking uh, a few days ago about the pathway to life or the path, pathway of life. And I wanted to talk about faith or rather believing, uh, biblical believing. And so I, I titled my message, The Pathway to Life or the Pathway of Life, you could say if you would like. Uh, believe God. And that is have a, a life of believing God. How many of you know that there's always evidence that the enemy gives to us, quote unquote, evidence, false evidence that says, oh, God isn't interested in your life and no one cares for you. You have to believe God. You wake up every day believing God. A number of years ago, many years ago, I was preaching on the, there's one thing that you have to do when you wake up every day, and that is believe God. You wake up, resolve to believe God. As I said, there will always be counter evidence, quote unquote, uh, against you having faith in God, believing God. And I was a, a number of them in those days, you know, pastors would come on uh, radio and TV and say, you've got to do more than believe God. Believing is not enough. You know, uh, and uh, the, even demons believe, you know, but demons give, they believe as giving mental assent, you know, saying, okay, yeah, uh, God exists. But you and I have believing faith. And there's a huge difference in you and demons. And there, is, there is no uh, correlation between you and demons. So when we talk about believing, it is the, the Greek word pistuo, and I'm, I'm doing the best I can to pronounce it, pistuo, and it means to believe. It's a verb. It is a verb uh, meaning to believe. It means to be persuaded uh, of something. You are totally persuaded of it. So you are totally persuaded that God is, that God exists, and that God is for you. You're totally persuaded that he has sent his son for you. It also means to place confidence in. So it means you have to have some action. You, you have to place confidence. Okay, my confidence is in God. My confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you place your confidence in. Um, we often uh, talk about, my, my wife and I would sometimes talk about Spanish, or she would talk about Spanish. We were in Venezuela a number of years ago. And, of course, I knew a few words, and I, I could put a few sentences together. And I really thought I was a Spanish speaker because I could do that. And so the, the, uh, the pastor said, they, they didn't tell me. They told the, the, per, the person we were with, he thinks he can speak Spanish. <laughs> he can't, but she can because my, my wife had grown up in the neighborhood. So, so, so the thing that hindered me, mostly from speaking Spanish was a lack of confidence. I did not have the confidence and I didn't want to sound ignorant trying to speak the language. So I didn't have confidence. You have to have confidence in the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. And then you have to trust him and entrust yourself to him. So if you want to walk the pathway of life, you must Put your confidence in him. You must put your trust in him and then entrust yourself to him. And then lastly, just rely on him. Just rely on him to do what he has promised you he would do. I want to just catch you up a little bit because 
uh, when I was doing my study, I found that, that uh, Matthew in his gospel and Mark used this verb um, 10 times. They used, each used it 10 times to describe our relationship, that is, uh, our act of believing, uh, the actions that come from our believing. And um, Luke uh, mentioned this verb nine times. But you know how many times John mentioned it? Ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. And so John says, he, he says, you and I must be uh, moving or we should have action to our faith, not just the noun, putting faith in, putting credence in, but we must have some corresponding action. So I'll ask you the question today, do you have action to your faith? Is your faith an action word? Is it a verb? Is it a movement? A movement? Is that? Okay, do you put, uh, as it were, feet to your faith? So this is what John does. Um, in, the, in the New King James, uh, John chapter 1, verses 50 and 51, it will show us a little bit about this. I would say, while you're finding that, we live in a day when everything attacks our faith. You are not, you're not on trial so much. You know, sometimes we say, well, the devil is attacking me. Yes, but sort of not really. He's attacking your faith. He wants you to lose faith because he cannot defeat you as long as you have faith that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. You cannot be defeated. And so, but in um, uh, John 1 verse 50, he says, Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, speaking of Nathaniel, Philip had told Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. And so he's, uh, he says, um, and so Jesus said to him when he saw him coming, he said, hey, here's an Israelite, or behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He said, whoa, how do you know me? He said, oh, before you were under the fig tree, I, I saw you. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God, he says. And so Jesus is, is answering him. And so Jesus says, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe that you have this moving faith, this action verb? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you will see, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Again, I would like to, to talk to you about those writers. Those, so John is talking about the, uh, the, uh, the amazing reality of faith. He is talking about uh, our having faith in the Lord, similar to what Nathaniel had. Nathaniel believed because Jesus told him what he was doing under the fig tree. Now, I, I really love that. Let, let me look at something else, and we'll bring this together a little bit more in a moment. In Acts chapter 5, verse 14, um, so uh, the writer uses, Luke uses um, uh, pistuio, uh, he uses it uh, as, a, as believers, or I should say he uses the present participle of that, that word. So that means that it's like, for example, if I were to, 
sing, and I say, I am singing. I am singing. I'm in the process of singing. So believers are called, uh, are used in the first participle. That word is translated that you are and I are in the act of or the process of faith. Does that make sense to you? You know, we are in the process of that. So that means that, that we get our name, believers, from who we are and what we are doing. So more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Uh, in Acts, it says, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. So you and I are people who have committed to the Lord. We have committed our trust to the Lord, and we have entrusted ourselves. It's sort of like a time. Let me give you a quick story since it's my son's birthday. Um, when uh, they were young, I would often come in from work and take them to the park. And that would give my wife just a little respite from, from busy children, especially him. And so uh, we would take, I would take them to the park. And I've told you this story before. It's one of my favorite. Um, I would take my, our daughter on the little airplane, you know, the little fighter jet that was in the parks. You remember them? Yeah. Y'all remember? Okay, the little fighter jets that were there. And so I would put her on the wing and I would say, jump, baby. And she would stay there. And she was probably four years old. I would say, jump, baby. That'll catch you. She, she didn't. And so I said, why won't you jump? She said, you might drop me. <laughs> there was no faith. But I, I looked around, and, and, and all of a sudden, uh, our son Marcus had climbed up there. Uh, just, a, uh, just a rambunctious little guy. Had climbed up on the and was jumping without me knowing it. And I turned around just in time to catch him because he had confidence that his daddy would catch him. See, you and I, when God says do something, rather than saying, explain it to me and then I'll do it. So Ginger wanted me to explain to her, how are you going to not miss me? How are you going to catch me? I can't do it. You might miss me. You might, and sometimes we have that kind of relationship with the Lord. Lord, you might not come through. You might not. Now, I'm not boasting in, in my faith, but I remember when, we had, when I had contracted COVID-19 before there was a vaccine. I never thought I was going to die. I said to you a few days ago, but when I had vertigo, I thought I was dying. But I never thought I was going to die. Why? Because I put my confidence in him and I said, my journey is not over yet. It cannot be over yet. If my journey is over now, then God made a mistake and God can make mistakes. And that's how you are to live your life. Here, here the, the, the author, Luke, uses the present participle to translate uh, this verb. Uh, pistis, he uses the, and so pistio is, is used in a, in a participle in an act of doing. So every day should be an act of believing in your life. So we often ask ourselves or we complain that oh, these trials are killing me. Well, you need to be, as a believer, you need to be in the act of believing. You need to be in the act of trusting. So if you never had problems, how could you be in the act of it? So what God is doing is fortifying you, is strengthening you. He is making you better than you were the day before. That's what he's doing. So this verb, 
Um, I wrote this down because when I was a boy studying uh, English in the earlier grades, they told us that, uh, that this verb was an action word. So it's, it's a word used to describe an action. Also, it can descri describe a state, a state. This is uh, a state of being where you are. So since, since it um, also describes this state or this occurrence, let, let it always be occurring that we are believing. And if it, if it, since it describes a state, let it describe us being in a perpetual state of committing ourselves to the Lord and relying on him. That's what these times are for. That's what these times are for. So you and I are now believers because we're always found believing. Amen. Amen. Let's look at, amen. Go ahead. Hallelujah. We are believers because we are always believing. John 6, 28 and 29 says, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? You, you know by now that's one of my favorite scriptures, right? So Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God. So they wanted to, the Pharisees wanted to do the work of God, but they didn't, didn't want to believe God. It's, it's, it's inconsistent. It's not possible, right? So you cannot do the work of God if you don't really entrust yourself to God. They did not entrust themselves to Jesus. They did not, as it were, jump off the airplane, you know, uh, with Jesus' back to him, right? So my back was to my son. He was jumping anyway because he had heard me say to his sister, jump. He was jumping, and I turned around in time to catch him. So God doesn't have to turn around because God knows our thoughts when they are far off. Yes, he knows that. So the work of God is that Jesus says to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So you and I, if we want to do the works of God, and we, we often talk about that, believers talk about doing the works of God. I've heard so much talk about miracles, and we need miracles, and we need miracles, we need miracles. Well, if you just start doing the work of God, if you just start believing in Jesus, when the Lord tells you something rather than you seeking to understand all of the nuance of what he said, why don't you just believe him? Right? That's what he says. Just believe him. Believe him. Uh, and, and he says, believe in him whom he sent. So if you want to do the work of God, if you want to do the works of God, if you want to see the miracles of God, just believe God. Do whatever he says. Has anybody ever thought that's scary? It is, it is scary. It is scary. And then when you start to do it, the fright leaves you. Yeah. The fright leaves you. I, I, when I, we, we started the fellowship here, and I would come over to the building at night. Oh, man. I said, Lord, I'm sorry, but this is almost creepy. You know, you're walking in the building, and then the building, of course, is made, it has those wires, and it's made out of this metal. And all suddenly, you're walking, you hear something. It's like, where is he? I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but, but the more you come, the, the less you're afraid. The more you trust the Lord, the more you entrust yourself to the Lord, the less afraid you are. Yes, that's how this works. Because initially, we're afraid. Someone said, I've never been afraid. And yes, you have. 
and now you're something else. Yeah. Let's look at John 6, 67. There's so much I want to elaborate, but let me continue. Then Jesus said to the 12, this was after, do you also want to go away? This was after Jesus had said in the Galilee, in the Capernaum, he had said that everybody um, who wanted life, eternal life, had to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And he was speaking spiritually, but some of the people really didn't get it. If you, when you have your own agenda, you're not going to get what God is saying. And so Jesus uh, said to them, uh, well, they left. I mean, about 70 of his people, uh, of his inner circle disciples, 70. He had a congregation of about 80, 80, 84, I mean, 82, 84. And uh, that was who were very close to him. And, and they got offended because he told them the truth. They were offended because Jesus Christ spoke to them from their scriptures. They had one view of the scriptures, but Jesus had the right view of the scriptures. And, and they should have known that Jesus was speaking spiritually when he, when he talked about eating the flesh of the Passover lamb and taking the blood and applying it to the doorpost. That's what he was speaking of. Or he was saying, you've got to receive me fully, completely, totally, not partially. Because the, the admonition to them, to Israel, in Exodus chapter 12, you'll find that, when they were uh, uh, behind their, in their homes and the death angel was going to destroy the firstborn of everything in Egypt, when they took that blood of the door, uh, and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel, the doorpost and the lintel, then what they were saying is that we are behind the blood and death could not come behind the blood. You know, it couldn't. Why? Because there's life behind the blood. And so death can't not now become life or it's no more death. You know? And so, but what they, he, the admonition also was that you have to eat all of this flesh. You have to eat it all. You can't eat a little bit. You can't just eat, be a picky eater. You've got to consume all of the Lord. That's what this was about. And it was a very, very clear, but it wasn't clear to them. And so Jesus says, do you also want to go away? I mean, no 20, 21st century uh, pastor would ask his congregation that. I mean, I mean if you get jumped up, I'm gonna, not going to look at that. That's it. What, you want to go too? No, I want somebody to stay with me, right? But this, this, is, this is amazing. And so, but the words... Jesus was, in, was pulling out of Peter or his, his inner circle something really powerful. So sometimes when God is acting and he's doing things, rather than you becoming faithless, he's pulling something out. He's, so listen to what Peter says. He says, he looks at the, those 70 and said, do you all, and look, look at them and say, okay, well, okay, I guess you're gone. Do you want to go away too? So Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? When, you know, you have, you have people who say, these trials are so bad. I, I don't want to leave the Lord. I said, what? You're going to go to the source of your trials? Your difficulties, rather? You're going to go to the source of your pressure? You're going to leave Jesus, your protection, and go out there to that one who's trying to destroy you? What do you mean you don't want to go? Don't help me. Help me so I don't backslide. Help me so I don't go back to the, the devil who beats me up all the time and accuses me. Who tries to destroy me? What do you mean? It's just, it's just, anyway, let me get back to my message. He says, whom shall we, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, 
Yeah, you alone is, is one version. Also, he says, also, we have come to believe and know. We are trusting, we're relying on you, but there's a knowing that we have. So your relationship with Jesus is producing a knowing. We have come and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the goal of believing is to come to a settled position of knowing. I don't have a trial every Sunday morning. A trial, do I go or do I not? <laughs> you know, I, I don't have that trial Sunday morning. Don't raise your hand. But, but, but do you sometimes have a trial? Don't raise your hand. <clears throat> on Sunday morning, on Sunday morning, I have been in the bed on Sunday morning and I said, God, this bed feels better than it ever felt before. And then I say to myself, get up. You know? Yeah. I don't want to be like the guy that said, who said to his mom, Mom, I don't want to go to church today. I don't feel like it. I don't want to be like that guy. I don't want to be like it. She said, you need to go. No, I don't feel like it, Mom. You need to go, son. Not, mom, I don't really feel like it. Please, mom, I just don't. Give me one reason, Mom, why I should go. You are the pastor. <laughs> Don't want to be like that guy. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus speaks of, of believing, and believing is, is cornerstone for us. It's the cornerstone. You and I are people of faith, and now we get our name as believers from our faith. You know, it's amazing, you know? You know, you, you and I, we get our name. We're believers because we've always found believing God. And um, in John chapter 8, 24, I, I thought I would throw this one in. I told you uh, the last time I shared the first part of this message that some, of the, some scriptures you just kind of, you so love them, you just try to make them fit, you know. And this is another one. I'm just got to make it fit. I'm, I'm all positive, right? But here, let's look at this one. Uh, John 8, 24, it says, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And whenever the Bible reiterates something like that, Jesus wants you to get that and never let it go. He says, if you don't believe, you're going to die in your sins. You know, you're going to die in your sins. And, and if you don't believe that I am he, he, the promised one, if you don't believe that I am the Messiah, you're going to die in your sins. It's not how cute you are. It's not about the work that you think you can do for Jesus. He says, you will die in your sins. You see, there must be action on your behalf, not just mental assent, not just recognizing, oh, yeah, that's a truth. That's, that's all, yeah, that's right. There are many who may accept the idea of God, but they never entrust their life to him. Are you like that? I trust not. You have entrusted your life. You've said, okay, you have my life. And when you really say, God, you have my life, what you are also saying is, you have the right to tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, uh, so often, so often the Lord has said things to me and I didn't want to do them. I, I was a believer. I was a believing believer. And I didn't want to do them because they hurt me. But you have to do it. 
You have to learn how to obey God, you know, when you understand, when you don't understand. When it's going to cost you, you, you still obey God. Some people think, no, you obey God. because If God wants you to do something, it's going to be real easy for you. When did you wake up? It's going to be easy for you? There's some people God has said, go to the other side of the world. And they've gone to the other side of the world because God said it. Wow. God tell, will tell you to do things that are good for you, not easy for you. But then as you continue, as you continue, as you continue, you learn that obedience is better than sacrifice. Let's look at, at uh, John chapter 9. Uh, the lovely scriptures, verses, verses 35 through 38. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Now, before I give you the rest of this, uh, this is the story of the man born blind. In John chapter 9, he was born blind. And the disciples said to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I chuckle almost every time I read that. I thought that makes absolutely no sense to the, to the American mind, right, that, that question. But he said, and so Jesus says, no, it was not his parents. It was not him. It was that the glory of God would be made known through him. And so here, uh, they had, and so this man, is a wonderful story. Read John chapter 9. It's one of my favorite. And, and uh, John, John uh, records that uh, this man was, was uh, very much settled on the fact that that Jesus was somebody special and that Jesus had anointed his eyes and said, go wash. And they said, well, how do he make you, you, your eyes open? How do you open your eyes? How do he make you see? He said, well, he anointed my eyes with clay. He said, go wash, I wash, and I see. And so he said, okay, how did he make you to see? He said, what? You want to be one of his disciples? Is that why you keep asking these questions? I told you, and you don't believe me. I told you what happened. They said, get out of here. He said, we don't know where this man was from. We know where Moses was from. We don't know where this man was from. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is the man who just now got his eyes shut. He said, you tell me that it's never been heard of in the history of the world that somebody opened the eyes of somebody born blind and you don't know where he's from? That's like telling the pastor, you're right? Pastor, you mean to tell me you don't know where he's from? You don't know where he's from? And they kicked him out of the synagogue. What they did was they excommunicated him. You have no part in, in Judaism any longer. Get out of here. So Jesus uh, heard that they had, had excommunicated him. And he says, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord? It's like, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Now, here's a man who has not had access like so many. And he says, I just want to know who he is so I can believe. I want to know who this man, who, who uh, the, the prophet is. I want to know who the Messiah is. I want to know who uh, Daniel's vision represents. Who is it? Who is it that I may believe in? Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. You know, then he said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. This man's faith had action. How do I know? Because he worshiped him. He worshiped him. Your faith 
has action because you came here today. Your faith has action because you turned on your computer or your device and you sat here at odd hours of your day to hear this message. So now you're called a believer because you're found always believing. Amen.